Welcome, my name is Javier Cabrera and this is Field Notes, a free-form podcast about writing, creativity in all the arts, poetry, films and science fiction. You are listening to episode 2 of the first season called On Robert E. Howard. Since last year I have been occupied reading all the stories by the great Robert E. Howard. What bugs me is that I know plenty of people who have never heard of the man. Everybody seems to know about Conan, though, but that is only because of the Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Through this, few have bothered with one of Howard's fantastic tales, Kuhn, an Athenian king from the ancient Thurian age. Solomon Kane, a late 16th century Puritan, he wandered through Europe and Africa with only one goal in mind, defeating evil. Brad Mark Moore, for God's sakes, the last picked king, Howard wrote a character who, believe it or not, ends up connected to Lovecraft through mythos. There are so many great adventures from Howard, yet none of them seems to be around in print anymore. Walk into any bookstore and ask for a collection of his stories. They will not have the slightest idea of who you are talking about. They simply won't know the man's name other than, perhaps, from Conan, if you're lucky. A few years ago, well, a while ago, Delray published a beautiful collection of Howard's stories. The Savage Tales of Solomon Kane. What a titan, how huh? makes the blood freeze. The edition came with a blue cloth slipcase, full color plate, two collector's postcards, thick paper, I mean real thick paper. It even came with a freaking CD. You could listen to Howard's poems while reading his stories. How great was that? I wish more publishers did those sort of special collector's editions. The stories in the books were illustrated by Gary Gianni. That's the award-winning comic artist, by the way, for those of you who don't know the name. He worked on Prince Valiant, Indiana Jones, The Shadow, George R. R. Martin's A Knight of the Seventh Kingdom, and many, many great stories. He's a terrific artist, one of the best, and I don't say that lightly. If you have not seen Gary Gianni's work, you have not seen Sword and Sorcery. This particular Solomon Kane edition was fantastic, and I say it was because it is now like many other great books out of print. If you are lucky, you might find one online for two, three thousand dollars, but for the most part, they are gone, and I doubt that Ray is planning on printing another batch anytime soon. Why? Because people don't read Robert E. Howard anymore. For some reason, for any reason, for whatever reason, it eludes me. It is a crime against fiction, it is a crime against the genre. People don't know about Howard because, well, they have not heard the name being mentioned. It is a marketing disaster that needs to be solved yesterday. And it should be solved before Robert E. Howard sinks into obscurity, like it often happens with many great pool providers. He deserves better. We deserve better. 
Welcome to episode 4 of Field Notes. This episode is titled Robert E. Howard vs. H.P. Lovecraft. And if the sarcasm behind this absurd affirmation escapes you, I bid you keep listening. Much has been said about these two writers, but little is known about their actual friendship. I have personally gone through more than 1,000 pages worth of letters both sent to each other. They are compiled in a wonderful collection called A Means to Freedom, edited by S.T. Yoshi, Dave E. Schultz, and Rusty Burke. I hope to be pronouncing their names right. Most likely I am not, but you know, they deserve all the recognition they can get for this amazing book. It is published by Hippocampus Press, at least the edition I have with me. I highly recommend those to anyone with a genuine interest in the lives of these two authors. You can read all the online forums and articles you want and you will never get a detailed view of Lovecraft and Howard's interests, their personalities, dreams and passions as you will from reading their letters. So, after going through their personal correspondence in detail, I am declaring both men geniuses. They began writing to each other after Lovecraft published The Rats in the Walls in the late summer of 1923. Well, it was published a year later in The Weird Tales magazine. For those who of you who don't know what Weird Tales was. This was the single most crucial pulp magazine of its time and I will fight anyone saying otherwise. In the story, Lovecraft included a few Gaelic sentences. He lived from Fiona MacLeod's The Sin Eater. This is not uh, an uncommon practice for writers, by the way, but what was uncommon, though, in this particular case, at least, was that of all the people who read the tale, it was little Howard from Texas who noticed what Lovecraft had done. The father of the Thulumitos had taken a license. He used a phrase Gaelic instead of he used the phrase Gaelic instead of Simbric as the South of England local demands. In a letter to Frank Belknap Long, another great author, he mentioned that Nobody will ever stop to know the difference, and no one did, but Howard. How about that for a poor Texan boy? 
Now, you have to understand, these two came from very different places, especially when it came to their childhood, especially when it comes to their childhoods. Lovecraft came from a family of means of recognition, a connected family. Of course, we all know how that ended, but for the most part of his childhood, for the most part of his childhood, Lovecraft had access to an education a kid like Howard could only dream of. Now you understand why Lovecraft was so impressed when he received a letter pointed to the liberty he had taken in rats in the walls from Texas of all places. I cannot stop thinking that those two were almost completely opposite. I cannot stop thinking those two were almost complete opposite. I cannot stop thinking those two were completely different. I cannot stop thinking those two were completely different. They were like oil and water, but they were also very similar. Brothers, if you will. Reading through their exchange, I cannot avoid feeling more identified with Howard's vision of the world, though. Lovecraft was born <coughs> Lovecraft was born into wealth and although it didn't last, he was part of the upper class for some time. The years that matter anyway. He never got to experience many of the things people with an average income go through during those fierce years of his childhood. I suspect that much later in life he failed to understand the emotional baggage Robert carried during his lower class upbringing. See, Howard was the son of a doctor, but not a wealthy one. And Texas, well, back then, after the oil boom, it was a difficult place to grow up. So, unlike Lovecraft, Howard grew up tough. He had to. There was a disconnection there between the two. That is where the gap was. But that was also where the genius of those two met. Lovecraft was not this shy recluse who never left his aunt's house and spoke to cats all day or whatever they are saying about the man these days. He was extremely outgoing. He was extremely outgoing. He traveled more than many of those saying he sat in a dark room looking out the window, have or will ever get to travel. 
he had friends in almost every state and even abroad. He used to visit those friends very often. He used to travel alone too before and after he married. Something most people don't even think about doing. Something most people won't even think on doing. Howard, on the other hand, was a loner later in life. He only wished he could have traveled as much as Lovecraft did, and he says so in many of his letters to Lovecraft. His travels were limited to within and around Texas. A few times he went down to Mexico, but that's as far as he traveled. The man was not envious of Lovecraft and his trips either, like some have implied over the years. He was not crazy either. People get that part wrong. After reading all those letters, and again there are close to 1,000 pages worth of letters in the books Hippocampus Press published, to me, Lovecraft was just being held back by his own particular upbringing. He fought the same demons Lovecraft and many others of their generation fought. He also fought the shortcomings that many of us who grew up in the lower class are inescapably destined to face to the day we die. Howard, genius because despite all the obstacles in his life, and there were many. He traveled to the Iborian Age and rode alongside kings and thieves. Lovecraft, genius because despite having been up and then down, by the end of his life he had not only coined an entire new genre, but he was also able to transcend and conquer his own demons, which were far more terrifying and real than the ones he offered in his fiction. Howard and Lovecraft, both equally mad, both equally broken, but tough enough to push themselves up towards the sky. Howard and Lovecraft, both equally mad, both equally broken, but tough enough. Tough enough to push themselves up towards the sky. Because some people can grab a backpack and go climb a mountain, like if they were crossing the street. Others have a bag full of excuses and there is nothing in this world as heavy as a bag full of excuses and there is nothing in this life as heavy as a bag full of excuses and there is nothing in this life as and there is nothing in this life as heavy as a bag full of excuses